0: Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, New Revised Standard Version. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage and the Mountain of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord a very loud, large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the, temple, the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard, the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there." A great game to play around uh, the dinner table, uh, something that just absolutely opens up for great conversation, um, is to ask the question, what would it look like if you ran the world? What what decisions would you make? How how would you run things if you were the one that was in charge? And it's great to even ask, especially if you have kids around the table and you can continue to ask them, what would it look like if you made all the decisions in the house over this next week ahead? Not making any promises to them, but just ask, what would it look like? how, How would things be different? Asking kids, what would it look like at your school if you were principal? What would it look like in our nation if you were president? Right? I think about songs from, from my childhood and, and, and future King Simba running around singing out, oh, I, can't, I just can't wait to be king. Right? No one telling me to be here. No one telling me to stop that. No one telling me, now see here. I also think about another song from my youth, from maybe some of you know this, with Nas and Lauren Hill singing together and imagining what would it would be like if Nas ruled the world. We all have these spaces in our lives where we imagine about how things would be would be different if we were the ones in charge. Maybe you've recently stood in a very long checkout line at Ralph's not speaking from personal experience. <laughs> and as you were in that really long line and seeing how, em- em- how many empty check stands or checkout counters there are, that you've thought to yourself, I would run things so much more efficiently. Just, just yesterday, my family and I had the opportunity to go to the San Diego Wave game at Snapdragon Stadium. And as we were in line to get into the parking lot, it was just this crazy long line as, as people were waiting one by one to be parked. And there was just like one attendant parking all the thousands of people that were gonna be parking at that stadium. And just sitting there, trying not to be too frustrated, but just thinking, oh, it would be so different it would be so different if i were in charge maybe maybe it's just me but i imagine that it's that it's more than just me in this room where we've all had these thoughts about how we would rule differently about how things would be different if we were the ones that were in charge and 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 the presentation that's given to us not just only in this story but when you look look particularly at the launch of the New Testament in those first four books, which we have come to call the gospel accounts, what's being presented to us in all four of those books is an argument, is a mindset, is a paradigm, is a worldview. From the very beginning of each of these accounts, What's being presented to us is this argument and this announcement. This is what it looks like when God is king. This is what it looks like when God is in charge. We read from the book of Matthew, but let me take you to the book of Mark. From, his, from the very first words that he writes, it'll come up on the screen in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. He writes, this is the beginning of the good news. We'll stop there just for a second. That word good news, maybe in your translation of the Bible, you're seeing that it says gospel. This is the gospel. And, and, and he, just, he doesn't just immediately fly to the crucifixion and the resurrection, but for Mark, what he presents to us is everything that I'm going to write to you from this sentence forward is the gospel. It's the good news. And so then he's very intentional intentional about the very next words that he writes. This is the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah. And that next word, the son of God, you would have recognized that if you were in the Roman Empire, if you were within the boundaries of the Roman world, you would have known that that word son of God was an emperor kind of word. It was something that kings were called. And so from the very get-go, Mark is presenting to his readers, this is the gospel. Jesus, the Messiah, is king. And what you are going to read about in the pages that follow, he wouldn't have said pages, maybe he would have said in the long scroll that follows, is what it looks like when God is king. This is what it looks like when the kingdom of God is right arriving here amongst us. And so then when you think about it that way and have that perspective, when you read through the gospel accounts, right, you you get this presentation to us. This is what it looks like when Jesus is king. This is what it looks like when God rules the world. And so from that perspective, then you begin to see, look at his birth announcement. His birth announcement is like no other announcement of a king coming and beginning their reign. But that's what the birth announcement is presenting to us. Do you see what's being presented here? It's about this, this infant that's coming into the world in this incredibly humble space. And then you see all these juxtapositions that are taking place of angelic visitations coming and, and, and hanging out and residing amongst extremely uh, humble people in very humble spaces. Because this is what the world looks like when God is king. And when Jesus teaches, what he's teaching us is, is, the, is the ethos, is the cultures, the characteristics of his kingdom. And his teachings, one of the the best-known teachings, is the Sermon on the Mount. And what he presents to us is the vision of an upside-down world where the low are brought high and the high are brought low. That in, in his kingdom, when God rules the world, do you notice who are called blessed? Blessed are the poor, blessed are the merciful, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness to take place in the world. Blessed are those that are craving for justice to actually take place. Blessed are the mourners. Blessed are those that are crying out for God to do something in the world. That what Jesus is saying, when, when I rule the world, those are the people that I'm showing up on behalf of. Those are the ones that I'm visiting. And then you listen to his parables, right? He, he will often start his parables in saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And when he presents those parables to us, what he's telling us, this is the culture. This is the culture of the kingdom. And what's absolutely intriguing is that when you read through those, those parables, you'll hear him say things about, you know, it's the, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Have you, ever, have you ever heard a political speech? Have you ever heard of a mayor or a governor or a senator talking about their district? Usually it's these grand boasts about their district. Like, there's no other district like my district, right? There's no other city like my city. But when Jesus begins to talk about his kingdom, the way that he presents it to us is by saying this. My kingdom is hidden it's small it's trampled on it's like a mustard seed it's small it's humble you might not even notice it but he's he's presenting to us the, the ways and the characteristics of his kingdom and then you notice the people that he hangs out with the people that are his top recruits, the people that he's, he's bringing to himself, you look over the, the pages of the gospel accounts and what you see is him, he's drawn to a widow in the temple who gives half of a penny. It says no one else has given like she's given. The people that he's drawn to are, are, are prostitutes and tax collectors. The people that he hangs out with and he has dinner with, it makes the religious people squirm and try to figure out who are you and what are you doing? But what's being presented to us is a worldview. This is what it looks like when God is in charge. This is what it looks like when God rules the world. And so we arrive here on Palm Sunday. And, and, and this is the announcement that'll, that comes up. I think you, you should have it there from, from uh, the book of Matthew. Um, but the words that are brought to us in verse 5, it says this. It says, tell the daughters of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. Up, up to this point, up to this point, Jesus has been traveling through small villages. He's been going from village to village. He's been healing, he's been teaching, he's been, he's been interacting with humanity, and, 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 it's, and it's turning villages upside down, right? Like crowds are coming to him. And, and what's, really, what's really intriguing, I don't know if you've ever had this, this thought before as you're reading through the Gospel accounts, particularly the book of Mark, is that you'll see Jesus heal someone or you'll read about Jesus healing someone and then he'll tell them this, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. I don't know about you, but I've read those before and I've thought like, isn't the whole point of this announcement, good news is coming into the world, and you come and you heal someone, and you think that this should be this incredible point of celebration. This should be on the front page of Jerusalem Times, right? It should. This should be something that everyone knows about. But Jesus's response is, "Keep it quiet." And I believe that partly, maybe even the big reason that why Jesus is doing that, is because it isn't. It, it isn't time for his name to be on the big lights in the big city. It isn't time for for Jerusalem to be stirred up by him yet. And so he's going, and and it shows the characteristic of his kingdom. He's starting in small villages, interacting with these hidden spaces in in Israel. And as, as he's interacting, he's telling him, don't say anything yet, don't say anything yet, don't say anything yet. Because it isn't time for, 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 for the stirring to happen. But today, today everything changes. Today is the day that things are different. Today is the day where he's riding into Jerusalem and it's time for Rome and Israel to know his name. it's time for him to burst onto the scene and this moment is a cheeky kind of a moment (laughs) this moment is is wildly confrontational this this moment is 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 jam-packed with tension and confrontation like this moment is like a It's like a Rage Against the machine song about a Banksy painting where he's drawing Jesse Owens winning the Olympics in front of Hitler. That's what this moment is like. He's riding into Jerusalem and there is no subtlety about it. What are they singing? He's, well, let me back up. What's Jerusalem called? It's called the city of David. That's the name of this city. And he's riding into Jerusalem, and people are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Again, no subtlety whatsoever about this moment. This is Jesus looking at Rome and looking at Jerusalem and saying, I'm the captain now. The king has come. And the reality is, is, again, if you look, if you go back to that quote from the book of, of Mark at the very start of, of, the, um, of his gospel account, you'll see him say, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And then it says this in verse 2, as it is written by the prophet Isaiah. And, and, and what we know of, of this time, is that as, as, as people, as particularly the people of Israel, have been reading through the Hebrew scriptures, they know that about this season of time, there was meant to be a Messiah that was going to arrive on the scene. What, what was stirring within the people of Israel, was that God was finally going to raise up a, a judge or a deliverer for them. And so what you, what you see take place all throughout um, the ancient world in this time, particularly if you read a historian like the name Joseph, Josephus, is that, is that you'll hear that there were all these uprisings that were taking place in Jerusalem. There were all of these, these, these people that were rising up and saying they were the ones that were going to deliver the people of Israel from the Roman captivity that they were under during this time. And so even when you look at um, the, later on at the crucifixion story, you have two people that are on trial. You have Jesus is on trial, and you have another Jesus, Jesus called Barabbas, that's on trial. And we're told by the gospel writers that his, he was an insurrectionist. He was someone that was trying to lead a revolt. He was trying to rally the troops in Jerusalem to fight against Rome. And and that that revolt got squashed. And so he's on trial. And so here's Jesus, the Messiah, and here's Jesus Barabbas. Because what's happening contextually and historically in this moment is everyone's waiting. Everyone's waiting for deliverance. Everyone's waiting for salvation. And, and, and it's, it's the same tension, it's the same, the same kind of cries and, and longings that exist in our own lives. And when we sit and we just think, God, when, when are you going to show up? When are we going to see our king arrive amongst us? When are we going to see deliverance take place? And there's all this hope that's here, and there's, there's some uprisings that take place, and hope is squashed. There's other uprisings that take place, and hope is squashed. And what's hoped for in this space is the crowds are chanting out Hosanna to the son of David. Is that they believe that finally a deliverer is here. And he's going to overthrow Roman occupation. The belief is is, is that it's going to be the end of occupation. And finally the Israelite people are going to be established again here in their land. Well, what's absolutely intriguing to us is that as this is being presented to us, he shows up like no way that we would have ever expected. In our household, talking about dinner table conversations, we play a game. We go around the table, and it's called ruin the wish game. And, and here's, here's how it goes, is that the first person gets to, gets to bring up a wish, and then the person that's sitting to the left of them comes up with a little caveat that ruins the wish. This is the ruin the wish game. It's just fun to, to poke at each other like that. And so it'll be, you know, Tiago, will, will give our, our six-year-old, will say, I wish I had a, a, a never-ending bag of, of Cheeto puffs. And, and, and Justice will say something along the lines of, but it just fell into a black hole and it's just like and it's just it's just fun way to be creative around what what things will look like and and listen Israel has has a wish I wish we hope we pray that a deliverer would be raised up that he would rescue us And and Holy Week, from certain people's perspective, was God's giving this caveat, and for some of them, it kind of ruined the wish. Because what they hoped for was insurrection. What, What they hoped for was that the violence of Rome would be matched by the powerful hand of God, smiting his enemies. And Jesus shows up on the scene and the prophecy that's brought forward is, look, your king is coming to you humble and gentle. And I think a lot of us, if we were to explore our own feelings thoughts in this moment, we'd have to confess that that's not how we want God to fight back. That's not how we want God to overthrow. Humble and gentle. But the reality is is if he is going to establish his kingdom He's going to do it according to the culture of his kingdom. And so what he's doing in this space is he is overthrowing and confronting our violent, greedy ways. He's he's, he's confronting the corruption of humanity. Right? What he's we 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 need liberation, we need freedom, we need deliverance, we need salvation. And the reason that we need that is because we've been the ones that have been ruling the world. And to put it lightly, we've made a mess of things. And so here we are, wielding power according to our own understanding, and we're looking to God and say, would you deliver us from our ways? And often the cry out is, would you deliver us from our ways, but would you do it how we would want? And if Jesus is going to overthrow our ways, he's going to do it according to his way. And so he arrives on the scene, and the way that he's going to confront the sin and death of humanity is by being the humble, suffering servant. Because that's what it looks like when God is in charge. that's what it looks like when he rules the world and the point of all of this and what i want you to walk away from this morning is is this statement jesus parades in humility that's the space that jesus plays in that's the space that jesus shines in he's been He's been showing us throughout the entire gospel accounts. This is what his kingdom is like. His ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. And so from, from, from his, the way that he arrives on the scene and, and the Christmas narrative that's given to us, a humble king that comes in in these humble spaces, interacting with these humble people, and the teachings that he gives to us about those that, are, that, that are, should be considered blessed. It's about those that are mourning. And it's about those that are longing for justice. And it's about the peacemakers. And it's about the merciful. Those are the ones that he calls blessed. And it's about the parables that he shows us. That his kingdom is like this small hidden space that people might not even recognize. And the people that he interacts with and the people that he has dinner with. It's those that are despised and rejected. He's been showing us all along, this is what it looks like when I'm king. I parade in humble spaces. And friends, that is good news. Because what it means for us is that no matter what space we find ourselves in, whatever difficult moment, we reside in whatever place of failure we sit in, whatever we're wrestling with this anger, this prejudice, this hostility, this frustration, this whatever it is that we reside in. And Jesus is attracted and parades into those humble spaces of our lives. That's where he shines. And so thinking again about Psalm 139, right? It's the space of just saying, man, I, it, I, can, I can go to the highest mountain or I can go to the depths of Sheol, and even there you're with me. When I hit rock bottom, I can have hope that you reside with me. When I'm dealing with that thing again and again, when I'm in an argument with my spouse, just this little reminder that might pop into our hearts that would say Jesus parades in humble spaces to move into a place of honesty and vulnerability and transparency before the Lord that would cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna to to the son of David, Hosanna to my king. Would you reside, would you deliver, would you restore in this humble place that I find myself? We're going to move to the Lord's table. And as we do so, I want, I want to bring this quote up on the screen from Peter Lightheart. It says this. It says, at the supper, we eat bread and drink wine together with thanksgiving, not merely to show the way things really ought to be, but to put, but to put to practice... The way things really ought to be not automatically but in the context of biblical teaching and a robust community life the skills and virtues practiced at the lord's table will spill over to fill the whole church with a eucharistic ethos in short the supper exercises the church in the protocols of life in the presence of god When we come to the Lord's table, it isn't merely a coming and, and taking. You'll hear intentionally when we, when we frame communion, we'll, we'll use a phrase, not come take communion, but we'll say come, come receive communion. Because the posture is this place in which we, we realize that the Lord is, is giving to us a gift. And this gift isn't merely saying, listen, I'm, I'm the humble suffering servant that dies on your behalf, but but it's also this place of saying, would you, would you participate with me in this way of humility? Would this be a habit? Would this be a formative type of space for us? And I like that that the practice that the Lord gave to us to remember him is something that we ingest. Because what we do at the Lord's table is is we're saying, let let your way get into me. Let it get into my bloodstream. Let it get into my, let let it get in to my being. I I want your humble way. So we come to the Lord's table. Let me me stop and let me pray for us. Father, I pray that as we come to this table that we would be reminded of of your humble posture that you that you take that you've come into the world and and show have shown us this different way of being and thank you that your humble way is what brought us deliverance and i pray that the work that you might be doing amongst this community is that we would know the ways of our humble king that that you, we would find you We'd find you delivering us, we'd find you bring, strengthening us, we'd find uh, you redeeming and restoring us, and I also pray that you'd be forming a certain way amongst us, that we would be a people that continue to look more and more like you. May, may we join you in this work of laying down our lives so that there would be life in the world around us. Would, would we be a people that take on this posture of servanthood? Because we want to see your ways invade this world. We do want to see revolution. We do want to see insurrection when it comes to the kingdom of darkness. Well, what we want to see happen amongst us is that you your ways, this kingdom of light would come and pervade this earth. So may we join you in the good work that you're doing in the world around us. Friends, as you come forward uh, to the table this morning, here's here's the instruction um, for you. is um, You come forward as, as you would like. There's not going to be people that will come row by row to dismiss you. Um, there will be a few of us that will be standing here up front. Uh, we'll be holding um, some bread in one hand and a cup in the other. We ask that what you would do is you would simply um, take a piece of that bread and that you would uh, dip it uh, into the cup and as you do so you'll hear us speak a word of blessing over you. Um, Jeremiah will be holding a plate and that plate has um, a gluten free um, option for those of who that's that's a need or if it's just simply a a want um, he'll be there um, to serve that and then at the table we'll have um just this own platter and that's for anyone um, i know we're still kind of coming out of covid and just i don't know people's own uh, decisions um that we would have and needs that we'd have this table here where you could just simply grab um an individually wrapped element and you can have that um, but if you'd like someone to pray for you anyone that's coming forward if you'd like anyone to pray for you i'm gonna ask um just a couple people that'll make themselves available on the sides of the stage here and i know that after you receive a uh, communion uh, that they would love to take some time to pray uh, with you so for those that are available to to serve if you come here and make your way forward um worship team will be playing and then i like i mentioned you guys can just come forward uh, as as you feel led